0: Hi, I'm Jonathan Smith. Welcome to our podcast, Training New Tricks, a series where we delve into the world of learning and development to unlock the challenges and successes of our industry in order to discover how to reinvent ourselves and our departments for the new world after coronavirus and make learning relevant. Obviously, I can't undertake such a broad and hugely important thing just by myself. And so each week, I'll be with my old friend, Nathan Akers, discussing things from classroom to digital frames of mind to departmental structure. This is the podcast where two old dogs teach you new tricks. Hello and welcome to the third of our podcast, Two Old Dogs training you new tricks. And I'm here with Nathan, as always. Welcome, Nathan.
1: Jonathan, great to be here again.
0: So let's kick off with our, our, our usual feature of the week, which is what have you learned this week?
1: What have I learned? Hey, it's, it seems like an age ago that we were speaking, but a lot a lot of water has passed under that bridge since then. Um, I think one of the things I've learned, and it's interesting because I've been doing a, a little bit of research around this kind of vague concept of authentic leadership oh, yeah. over the last week. One of the things that, that, that I've learned, which has nothing to do with leadership, but it has to do with me. And over the course of the last week, I've suddenly realized that I have not been sleeping well. Now, you are talking to the guy who up till a few, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks ago, would basically get in bed, close his eyes, and it was all over. There was no tossing and turning. There was no looking at the clock. You know, It was climb into bed, pass out. Maybe that was physical exhaustion, but I was on a call to a friend, and I hadn't spoken to, this, uh, to anybody. And I opened up and said, you know, I've really not been sleeping well. And she said, well, what are you worried about? And all of a sudden, there was a whole lot of stuff came tumbling out um, as to what I was worried about. Things that I hadn't given much conscious consideration to. And I think going back to the comment about authentic leadership is that in order to be authentic, we need to be honest with ourselves in order to be honest with other people. And I'd kind of, I I guess, been less than honest with myself about some of my worries and concerns around how the world is now and how it will be in the future. So there we go. What about you? What's your learning?
0: So, so mine's quite uh, a tale of woe this week. Um, so last week, you remember that uh, I spoke about having to get to grips with a load of uh, technological data manipulation mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff um, for a meeting, which I had uh, this time last week. And um, the news came in that I didn't get the contract. And... Um, as an INFJ in Myers Briggs terms, <laughs> these things hit me quite hard. Um, you know, all of a sudden I start to look inwardly. You know, I think you were saying I think on week one that we tend to blame ourselves. So true, yeah. so true. Uh, I was blaming myself. I was questioning. You know, what what have I done wrong? Why why couldn't I? Why can't I get these sort of contracts? And the whole learning point for my week is all around this this elusive quality, which some people have, some others people struggle with, of resilience, of being able to bounce back from, um, from disappointments and, and, and issues like this. So, um, so yeah, tougher for people like me with my character set, I think, uh, it's fair to say, but it's, it, it is a test of mental steel, I think, is what it comes down to for someone like me do I dwell on the negativity or or can I turn my head around to think more positively uh, and thinking more positively if, if I go down that route is I know stuff now that I didn't know before in preparation for it whether I got the contract or not still know the stuff it was an experience to uh, to, to, uh, to to have these conversations over a webinar um, and mm-hmm. the decision over a webinar whereas you know in the past there's always been a face-to-face isn't there and a handshake and mm-hmm. stuff like that So yeah, it's it's all around Being better prepared for the future. I think that's that's the mindset the positivity mm. That makes sense
1: Yeah, totally positivity is an interesting one, isn't it because how many times have you heard people say oh? You just need to think positive.
0: Oh it makes it makes me cross <laughs> he does because yeah okay uh, I can say those words and you know when people make you feel guilty for for looking okay. at some form of negative now I'm not talking about being depressive here I'm I'm talking mm. about being aware of what might go wrong or the obstacles that you might be facing when people say oh don't look at that just think positively as if all of that stuff is going to go away for me that's mm-hmm. not being careful. And it's not making sure that you avoid all of those boulders which are in your way.
1: I think this is one of the interesting things, being both of us being facilitators, and with that, communicators, presenters, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, oftentimes, and and this kind of goes back to my learning point, we are teaching people things and facilitating sessions that. Maybe we need to take on board as much as the people, the delegates in the room. You know, how many, how many times have we talked about resilience and the, the things that go to make up resilience? How many times have we talked about positivity or proactivity or uh, being on the front foot? You know, and you think, well, I, I'm okay. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm good with this. And maybe we need to take in a little bit of our own medicine, so to speak.
0: Earlier this year, in fact, uh, that was brought home to me in a training course that I was delivering for salespeople. Uh, mm-hmm. and the whole thing was around creating the elevator pitch. Yep. Uh, and we spent a lot of time and they were developing their own elevator pitch. And then one guy put his hand up and he said, talk us through your elevator pitch for how you pitch for your company. <laughs> and do you know what, <laughs> Nathan? I hadn't thought about it. <laughs> oh, wow! Thought, my mind went blank. I thought, "This, this is a learning point. This, this is a this is a learning point through pain." <laughs>
1: yes, yes. And it's one of those moments, you know, where we talked about session back in on video one about, uh, oh, sorry, um, podcast one about uh, career defining. Yes, yes. You, you know, you kind of think, oh. If I had a rock right now, I could just crawl under it. Yeah. You know?
0: <laughs> As a trainer, I, I think I think resilience is a key skill uh, or mm. quality. Perhaps we should we should yep. call it because you know you, you're forever. Things don't always go exactly according to plan, do do they? And you're forever no. having to think on your feet, and you're forever having to bounce around ideas and think. Okay, that didn't work. Now, what else am I going to try?
1: I also think that. Again, when you you talk about it as a as a skill or a or a trait, uh, I think the interesting thing is you know one of the distinctions between you and I. You talked about your Myers Briggs indicator. Um, yours starts with an I. Mine starts with an E. Yeah. And introversion versus extroversion. So, how do those traits relate to things like capacity for Bounce back. Yes, capacity for resilience. Um, what are some of the behaviours that we re- we might recognise when our resilience is low? You know, if if we if we think about it as a tank, um, you know, what happens when we're tired or hungry or?
0: Well, that that kind of leads us on to um, the topic for discussion today, um, and it, it comes really from the trends that are happening within our industry as to is the classroom dead um, and I uh, I was reading from LinkedIn Learning uh, a report which they have done just recently which talks about um, such things as L&D budgets and I'm gonna quote you here um, they found that uh, learning and development budgets are on the decrease for instructor-led training for classroom training 38 uh, percent down Um, this year, that's 38% less budget for spending in the classroom. Uh, 27% are staying exactly the same on their budget for classroom training uh, and only 21% spending more. So essentially that's sort of like 65% is either staying the same or going down on their budget for, for classroom training. Contrast that with online learning budgets, which seem to be on the increase, according to this report, by 57%. It's huge. So is there a lack of commitment coming from organisations towards classroom training? And are we going to see more of it, do you think, as a result of this uh, current lockdown?
1: That's that's such a good question, isn't it? And it's so relevant to the situation we find ourselves in today. Um, as you will have seen, I've seen, everybody's seen, everybody's gone online, haven't they? Yeah. Um, you know, um, and let's be honest, um, the situation spurred us into doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a number of other chats and said, hey, why don't we turn this into something that, that we can share with other people? The first point I'd like to make is that that article you were reading was by LinkedIn Learning, and they have a vested interest in (laughs) digital learning, you know. So, um, it's unlikely that they would write an article that says digital learning's dead, it's all back in the classroom. Um, So, I think, although it's not a case of fake news, and I don't want to insinuate that you can't be they can't be trusted i I think we need to start off from a position of they they do have a vested interest in digital learning you know they they are a huge provider of digital learning fair comment Um, fair comment but in saying that uh, i'm probably tending to agree (laughs) um you know there is there's a part of me that Loves the idea of the classroom. You know, there, there's nothing quite like getting in the classroom, um, getting a bunch of people together, flip charts on the walls, getting people's creative juices flowing, um, getting people thinking. I think one of the challenges that we have is that when when we are learning, um, and, and when I'm when I'm talking about learning, I'm talking about formal learning here, um, so university, uh, polytech, college, whatever. Um, it's almost like we we have a coach who is pushing us to run just a little bit further just a little bit faster and and we learn something new and we go wow and all of a sudden our eyes are opened that little bit further and now we see something over here and 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 if you like our our boundaries get pushed out and pushed out and pushed out and then that formal learning stops and it's almost like, I don't want to say we regress, but, but it's almost like our information sources change and we we start taking things from Twitter and from Facebook and journalism in general. So, so I guess part of my enthusiasm for the classroom is the fact that what you're trying to do is push that boundary again. You're trying to get people to see beyond where they were previously. Now, I guess the argument here is... Can't you do that online? Yeah, but there is something about standing next to someone, isn't there? There is something about the 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 collective energy and and kind of collective consciousness, if that's such a thing. I don't know, but there is this energy in the room. Have you ever seen it online?
0: No, and I'll tell you for why. Um, And it comes back to when I first started working in uh, in the technical. Uh, industry working for a company called Rackspace full of Millennials Mm. who um, were sat at their computer screen probably about 95 percent of the whole day they didn't have one screen they had three or four minimum and in each screen something else was going on something different was happening and their mind was constantly flicking between each of those four screens or more in some cases and that's the world in which they live in so you transpose that into a webinar and you've got maybe one screen two screens depends on how many they've got at to their house Mm. their mind cannot or will not it's not conditioned to focusing on that one screen the screen that you're on it's focusing elsewhere as well whereas in a classroom with no screens whatsoever the mind has to be focused on whatever is Mm -hmm. moving. And that, generally speaking, tends to be the guy up the front.
1: And and the slides and the topic. Yes. That's such an interesting one, isn't it? Um, Because if you drill down and you you go for the the five whys, you know, why, 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 um, I would not be surprised if you get to the bottom of that cascade of whys. And it's about well, I, I'm being more efficient. I, I'm multitasking, I'm doing multiple things at once. And I think there's there's something at play here that says, I've multitasked in my job, and I've done okay. You know, no one's pulled me up on it. No one's said, um, that's poor work. It's, it's okay work. You know, it's passable. Now, because I have never been pulled up, I do more of it. And, and that that, that there's this self-reinforcing cycle here. And, and it's interesting, you, you use the phrase millennials and millennials, don't even know if I like the phrase. Um, I don't even know if I like the idea of grouping someone just because they were born on a certain date. Um, but this, this, this idea of millennials, they've been used as the example, as the exemplar, if you want, for digital learning. Millennials want, millennials need, Millennials have to have, and we hear this again and again and again. Um, whether it's micro learning, so they 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 want um, snippets on their um, on their mobile phone. Um, Millennials want to be able to access training where and when they want. Um, in, in my experience, when you give people the option to access something where and when they want, they don't access it. You know, look look at the number of websites that offer you this um you know for 199 dollars you can have unlimited access for an entire year you talk to the owner of those websites and they'll tell you that on day one there was a frenzy but for the remaining 364 days there was almost nothing although we are led to believe that millennials want millennials need millennials have to have i actually think millennials are one of the groups that respond most effectively to that classroom environment
0: it's human nature to a certain extent, I guess.
1: human nature because I'm, I'm with a bunch of other people. We have a single focus. You know, I, I'm, I'm not having to jump all over the place. And if it's well facilitated, well guided, you've got a bunch of people that are actually all heading in the same direction. So it takes away that I have to forego my work, which by the way, that's what I'm being measured on do this training because I'm actually in the classroom Um, and even organizations that say you get X percent of your time to do training there is still X plus a hundred percent of time that that is needed for work you know no one says oh yes good I I wish I had something to do I know well do some (laughs) digital learning I I think millennials it's an interesting concept Um, and I think they have been the poster for want of a better phrase, poster boys, poster girls, poster people for digital learning. I don't know whether they are. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. uh, yeah, I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. It's interesting, isn't it? Let's let's look at this from, from two different perspectives. And first off, we'll look at from the corporation's perspective. Uh, and then we'll look at from those that actually go into the classroom's perspective. Corporate perspective. You've probably got, haven't you, uh, a um, a balancing act between three three elements. One is the cost of classroom mm-hmm. training. One is the uh, the the uh, the quality issue of uh, of of the training, um, and the third is the the time issue of the training. From a corporate perspective, what's what's going through the head of an organisation when they look at classroom training against those three things?
1: Again, a great question. You, you, you're stimulating the gray cells today. <laughs> um, I think the interesting thing here is that as you move up through the hierarchy of an organization, the thinking that you applied at this level has got to be different at, at, at this level.
0: That's lower versus higher. Um, those that can't see Nathan you know, with his hands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. uh, Nathan's one of those people that talks with his hands. Um, talk, talking with your hands is a, is a bit like having a visual cue in a podcast. It doesn't really work. So, uh, so in, a, in a hierarchy... When you start your career as an individual contributor, whether it's in a learning and development function or an HR function, the, the, the thinking that gets you there is not the thinking that you need when you get to the very top of that hierarchy. And, and it's interesting, I, I had a great conversation with um, someone I really respect as an HRD, and, and he, he started his career at the very bottom and worked exceedingly hard to get to the top. Um he's now in charge of a probably about you know, 10,000 person workforce. Um in his role as HRD and one of the comments he made was that at the bottom of the hierarchy you are dealing with individuals as individuals as people. The unfortunate reality is when you get to the top of the hierarchy you're looking at individuals as collectives you're looking at individuals as numbers on a spreadsheet and he said this doesn't take away from your empathy or anything like that it just requires a different way of looking at that same challenge that that, that same problem and i think coming back to your question how does a how does an organization how does a corporate body look at classroom versus digital, or virtual, or online, or e-learning, or whatever you want to call it. Um, at the bottom of that pyramid, you've got people who probably say, classroom's great. It brings people together. It's cohesive. It's team building. It's uh, It allows us to do these things that we couldn't do otherwise. At the top of the pyramid, you've got people looking at spreadsheets going, classroom is expensive. Um, And and as you said, um, it's of questionable quality. Now, uh, I've worked with facilitators such as yourself and others who are brilliant. That quality is not questionable. But when you're talking about scale, if you need to roll something out to uh, 500 people or 1,000 people or 10,000 people, that's potentially gonna need hundreds of days worth of training, potentially dozens, if not hundreds of trainers, who all have different levels of capability, different levels of competence, um, different levels of commitment, different levels of care, which leads to a variable output from the training. So I guess from a scale perspective, I would suggest that e-learning or or digital learning, as I prefer to call it, offers something that traditional classroom can't offer, which is consistency.
0: Just before we go down the digital learning route, Mm -hmm. Um, just want to look at this output that you mentioned there, the, the quality leading to some form of output. Is the output from classroom uh, equitable to the output from some form of digital learning? Is there any difference?
1: I, I guess it depends why you're in the classroom in the first place. If you're talking about mandatory training, um, so health and safety or some form of certification, I, I would suggest that outside of the actual skills practice piece, which has to be done physically you know the the knowledge piece i think yes it's equitable but if you're bringing people together for the reason of um, team building you're bringing people together for uh, collaboration uh, so you're trying to actually get an output that's better than any one individual could have come up with on their own Um, you're bringing people together for uh, putting together a mission statement or a vision statement or thinking about things like um our purpose as a team or our our annual objectives and how we're going to tackle them then again the argument is well we could do that online yeah you you could and a lot of organizations will and they'll do it very successfully but again we're back to this idea of the energy and enthusiasm that comes from being in the same place at the same time so If the material is purely knowledge-based, then I think it probably is equitable. Um, You know, I need to learn that A plus B equals C. Well, it doesn't matter how I go about learning that as long as I've learned it. Where you start to get into the more or or the less tangible areas, you know, the the things where you're starting to uh, get a little bit smart in your facilitation, uh, where you're starting to get people to subtly look at behaviors differently or look at attitudes differently then i don't know whether digital is the route
0: yeah it's the practical application isn't it which i think is beneficial if you if you've got people around you and if you've got a trainer to say how do i actually do this which you can't obviously do on a digital learning front Looking at that from the perspective then of, uh, so we've looked at uh, the quality output, cost and time issues. Um, So I, you like me, you've come up through the 80s and the 90s as a a trainer and as an employee. And people have come to us and they've said, let's uh, have some training because I want people to feel good. I want people to uh to have some form of motivation it, it, employee engagement's a bit down so we think that if we get them in the training room can you just do some form of um you know <laughs> magic something yeah exactly yeah that's what it boils down to um and then they'll walk out and they'll be enthused and energized and everything and and that would be good and they look to training in the classroom to do that how do you feel about that
1: so many times when you really get to the nub of why someone's doing the training that becomes the the reality. Um, and it's almost like, I don't know what else to do. Mm. Yeah. And, and I could perhaps use you or something to take the heat off me.
0: That is the start reality. It's, it is, um, I don't know what to do. So therefore I'm passing the buck, I'm batting the Mm. ball over to your side of the net
1: unjustified uh, view is we pay you handsomely so your magic should work
0: yes yes uh, <laughs>
1: uh, how do i feel about it um I, I i dislike the idea i've always disliked the idea uh and i think that what needs to happen is there needs to be much more in the way of digging uh, why why are engagement scores low why do people feel demotivated what what's you, you know what are the demotivators in the organization What's dragging people down? Um, What are some of the things that are eroding trust? Things like, uh, I did some work for a call center organization uh, a while back. Um, You've got six minutes to go to the loo, six minutes. They had six minutes that they could basically log out of their phone, get up from their desk, walk probably about two and a half, three minutes through the call center before they even got to something that looked like a bathroom. Um, They've got about one minute to do what they needed to do before they needed to be back again. And, and you know, you would get back to your desk and, and your, your phone was flashing red because you, you, you had effectively violated the policies. And you're like, well, people have a need to go to the bathroom. You can't have people stuck at their desks and unable to do that. This turned into a real demotivator for the organisation that people felt like things like going to the loo they were being measured and quantified against I, I think the the real the real challenge for any organisation here is rather than the quick fix of the training room which really turns out to be a quick fix you need to do a little bit more research a lot more work a lot more thinking to actually reach a point where you go, this is the challenge that needs addressing. And dare I say it, more often than not, it doesn't involve a training room or any kind of digital learning. What it involves is an organisation taking a look at itself and some of its policies that are demotivators.
0: And people, I would say. You know, you mentioned about the leadership not having uh, any further ideas. Perhaps it's because of them. Perhaps it's because they are uh controlling their employees mm-hmm. to the point of 6 minute uh rest breaks and and stuff like that i um so moving on from from there then let's look at the uh the time can we can we justify time spent away from the desk in order to be trained versus uh stuff that you can do online which takes a fraction of the time um, you're always in the same office. You you don't have to travel and have all the costs involved in that and the time involved in that. Can we justify taking time out of the job in order to be trained in a classroom? I think, well, what,
1: what are your thoughts? Because I, I've definitely got a view on this. Um, where do you sit? Because I, t- I talk way too much on these. It's my <laughs> extraversion, mate. <right?
0: laughs> so, well, my, my feeling is that... Um, it comes back to what you were saying about what it is that you're trying to achieve as a result of the uh, the training. And if it's just knowledge education, then, yeah, maybe there is no justification for taking you away from the room and the and way from your place of work, sorry, and putting you in a room. The benefit of of moving somebody physically away from their desk to some other place, um, I don't think can be underestimated when we're at Rackspace we, we tried to uh, initiate a, a self-study area which was away from people's desk in a separate building next door uh, where people could go to have self-study. If they were going to do it online they, there was computers there, they could do it. Nobody ever used it. Nobody ever used it and I think the reason for that is because they felt um, uncomfortable and they couldn't justify in their own head Something which they could do at their desk, being done somewhere else.
1: That, that's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I, I'm I'm guessing that they didn't have to walk that far. No, to actually get to that space. So it's not, not like oh well, I, you know, I need to take a taxi to an airport. I need to take an airplane to another city. Another taxi. I need to be in a hotel. I need to overnight. None of that. No, you know, and yet that psychology is still there, isn't it?
0: Absolutely, that's ingrained within them. Um, because what people seem to have adopted is this view of, if I'm not at my desk, I'm not working, Yeah. and therefore if I'm in a classroom, I am not working. You are paid to do the stuff that's at your desk, and subconsciously that means I am not paid <laughs> to do the stuff in a classroom.
1: So is this, do you think this is back to that idea of, of, of being, of multitasking and being efficient? I'll do my e-learning. Now, I'm, I'm using that phrase e-learning specifically here because when I talk about e-learning, I'm talking about something that's pre-recorded. Um, and, and I think that there are, e-learning allows me to sit down and, and watch a short video, do some questionnaires, wh- whatever. There's some very clever stuff out there for, for knowledge improvement. I, I do that actually while I'm doing my job. I, I'm giving it half of my consciousness. As long as I can pass it, and move on that'll keep the boss happy yeah rather than rather than looking at it from the perspective of you know what this is an opportunity for me to get better and if i really nail this i could be really good at this job
0: i don't think that's so much in the uh, in the mind of the people i think it's more around i think it comes back to what you were saying right up front which was uh, the further up the organization you get the further um, divorced you get from the actual human being side and the more mm. aligned you become to spreadsheet and the spreadsheet analysis says that people are trained i.e. there's a tick in that box <laughs> if they sit in front of a computer for for 10 minutes at their desk and they are also trained if you take them out away from the desk you take them somewhere very nice into a, you know, a nice classroom environment, but that takes so much longer. And therefore their productivity is bound to drop. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I hate to say this because we we do send to talk about Simon Sinek's infinite game almost every Mm -hmm. week. (laughs) We should be, we should be asking for some form of commission on his books, I think by now, but (laughs) it's such a short term, um, viewpoint insofar as it's productivity today, without any thought of, if I improve my performance, my efficiency, my abilities, my competence, my productivity actually in the future is going to increase uh, disproportionately. They don't Mm -hmm. think like that. It's all about the here and now. And I think that is the challenge, the biggest challenge that we have with with Classroom. And I wanna bring something else into into the mix here, Nathan, because I know that you and I uh, have had these conversations about running team events like um, doing the five dysfunctions of a team. The issue that I have when I have conversations with with client groups about this is from their perspective they say okay so you're going to take people away from their desks you're going to put them into some environment classroom somewhere outside maybe the office altogether uh, for one day two days whatever. What's, what is it that they are going to learn as a result of that. Mm. Now (laughs) it's a facilitated event as opposed to a knowledge event. The facilitation is can go anywhere. (laughs) It's open ended. Yep. Yep. The output is going to be good irrespective of where it goes, but I just cannot look into a crystal ball and say (laughs) this is where that conversation is going to head (laughs) ahead of the time.
1: A, B, and C, these these are what they're going to learn.
0: Exactly. It's the hardest yeah. sale, it's the hardest yeah. sale we have to make and yet it's mm-hmm. the one which gets the best results. Because on paper, yeah. if they look at it on paper, on a spreadsheet, or on a, on a contract, or on a um, proposal, you look at it and you go, well that's nothing, that doesn't, there's nothing there. Yeah. <laughs> but in reality, taking people away from their desks um, has, has the first, is the first phase in the whole process. And that is clear your mind of all the clutter that is associated with being at your place of work so that now you can start to to look at things differently. You talked about the creativity. uh, You talked about um, the ability to to think differently because you're no longer in the confines of your little uh, desk area. Mm. And then you can start to think in terms of what conversations can you and I, as facilitators, draw out of that group. Now we have no idea. <laughs> we have no idea what's in that group until such times as we can draw out. So I know mm. that you and I we, we discussed during the lockdown. Can we do a a team event like that over a web, um, a video conference, or something like that? And I think the challenge is, you haven't even got to base one you haven't even got them away from the desk
1: from the mm. piece of work but part of that needs to be a commitment on their part to be present uh, and and that's that's so difficult
0: we can't check yeah. from here that they're not looking at their emails whilst we're training them
1: <laughs> exactly um you know I, i'm i'm talking to you on my ipad right now and, and directly behind that is my monitor you know okay it's off at the moment but it would be very easy for that to be on and for my eyes just to flick up. And, and the problem is that my eyes flick up, I look at that, that, that subject line and I think, ooh, that's urgent. Yes. So I move from subject now to body. So yep. now my eyes have not just flicked up, my whole head's now looking at the body of the email. And then I think, ooh, ooh, I, I need to reply. So now I'm on my keyboard, but none of me says that's the wrong thing to do because so many organizations, and you've hit the nail on the head, um, are so focused on the urgent, on the crisis, on the here and now. Let's be honest. Every day is a bloody crisis. Everything's urgent. What we need to learn to do is get to the point where we're actually sufficiently confident, where we can say, yep, I get it. It's crisis no one's gonna die building's not on fire if I get back to you tomorrow because right now I'm doing something for me that will benefit both me and the organization next week next month next year but that's that's not where we are we've been bought up and built up in an environment of crisis everybody talks about Bob because Bob, Bob handles a crisis well. You know, Bob knows how to deal with a crisis. Bob will put the fire out. Yeah, that's great. If Bob's a fireman. <laughs> <laughs> but if Bob's sitting at his desk and Bob deals primarily with email all day, Bob needs to remember that that crisis will be there tomorrow. And you know what? Just because someone's shouting loud or jumping up and down, is their crisis really my crisis?
0: Absolutely. Uh, Pat Lencioni talks about this. He talks about it being the adrenaline bias that some organizations yes. have. And you know yep. what he also draws is if they're doing that, whilst they're dealing with the crisis and putting out the fires, what they're not doing is they're not planning to avoid it next time. Mm. And Bob, who's got a reputation for being excellent in crisis, doesn't want to plan because he loves the crisis so that he can thrive in it.
1: And he gets an award. <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> so um, a little bit of cynicism there on my part, but I think you can see that, um, you know, there are there are so many catch-22s going on here. I'm so involved in the crisis that I don't plan. I, I put the crisis out and I get so wound up in the next crisis that I don't do a, a post event evaluation and say how do we prevent that from happening again yeah you know that was that was really expensive or well, that that was a misuse of time um you know it's one of those things isn't it my son uh likes uh that tv show called west coast customs don't know if you've ever come across it uh so basically they make uh, like hot rods and they they turn cars into gaming stations and stuff like this. They do some amazing things with vehicles. Um, But in order to make the show something, there always has to be a countdown, doesn't there? There has to be some kind of time that they're pressed against in order to get, you know, these wheels from this place or, you know, this TV from this place or whatever. And one of the guys on one of the episodes recently made a comment, um, you know, there's, there's never enough time to do it right. But there's always enough time to fix it, and, and I thought, wow, that just sums up most organisations. Yeah, you, you know, we need to slow down to speed up, but we are so busy running. We're a, a bit like a toddler. You, you know, you, you when you see a toddler running, you you can kind of see that next step that's going to trip them up, and, and you, you you've got your hands waiting to catch them. And there are so many organisations that you see. are in that toddler running phase and you can see they're just about to go flat on their face but there's nothing you can do
0: i suppose on that basis then nathan it's you can really understand why the popularity of digital learning has Mm -hmm. taken off in in our lifetime and i i have to say i am i'm quite a believer in digital learning i love it i Mm -hmm. i go on youtube um frequently mm. now um i have a very short attention span i think and uh, digital learning really does suit me because in that initial minute that i give it to attract my attention uh if it's not of interest i'll move on mm-hmm. for better or for worse and and maybe that is just a, a human thing i don't know and i find that short chunks uh help me to feel as if i've learned something um with the opportunity to go even deeper if if i need to or if i want to or if i if i'm interested enough to uh, to delve even deeper and i kind of like i kind of like digital learning but i'm i'm going to put a rider on this now mm-hmm. i see digital learning the real value and the real benefit of digital learning is reference it is a point of reference mm-hmm. for me to turn to it's not necessarily the depth of learning that we're talking about in the classroom. And I think if we can make that distinction between what output are we expecting to get in the classroom versus what we're expecting to get versus in digital learning forms, and I'm talking about apps, I'm talking about YouTube Mm. videos, I'm talking Mm. about uh, uh, clips and how-to guides and and infographics and stuff like that. Mm. I'm talking about all of this because when I'm on the job, um, and I I need to have a refresher, a, a quick reminder. I haven't got time to sit through an e-learning package, where you know I, I can't even probably find very quickly the little snippet that I need at that particular juncture at work. Mm-hmm. But I can look at an infographic and find it immediately. Yep. And that yep. for Follow me. A path is is the reference is the benefit of digital learning.
1: Let's go back to our initial question. Is the classroom dead?
0: No. I would say no. And and I think that we've talked around the the value of classroom. Now I think I think we have as a society not necessarily as an L&D function I think as a society, we've defaulted in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s to thinking all training is done in a classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think where we are now is some training is done in the classroom, some training is done elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we need to be really clear. We, it's not a all or nothing approach to either side, one side being classroom, one side being digital. I think it's a combination. Let's use both.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you think?
1: And I, I'm well. I'm I'm of exactly the same ilk. I just I can't see. Well, I've never seen anybody get excited on a webinar. No. <laughs> you know, outside of the presenters, um, but you know, I've never seen a delegate all of a sudden their eyes go wide and you can see the light bulbs just come on and they're frantically taking notes and telling you to slow down and, you know, never had that happen. Seen that so many times in the classroom, it's not funny. So I I, I like what you said about reference. I think that's really, really true. Um, I think what we as facilitators need to accept is that we need to be sufficiently flexible and sufficiently capable and sufficiently um, able to deliver what the client wants, to, to actually take what they believe to be the right thing for them and make something more of it by adding us to it, whether that is in the classroom, whether it is online via a webinar, uh, whether it is e-learning, um, like you say, infographics. I love infographics. I'm a really visual person. So, um, and it's funny because I was just talking to our graphic designer this morning, and one of the things I said to her is, "I'm looking for some infographics," and she's like, "Oh, Nathan, we've had this conversation so many times. You need to tell me what, how you want it." So, um, for me, that that's a real plus uh it's a real positive step i I would love to just have things go back to the way they were but it's not going to happen and i think we all need to look at things in terms of my needs versus the organizational needs and if the organizational needs say we've got a thousand people that we want training classroom's not going to cut it no you know um we need to operate swiftly we need to operate effectively. We need to be able to come in and take away some of that pressure, some of that concern, some of those fears from those l and professionals within organizations and say, we can do this for you. And this is how we're going to do it. I still think there is a place, particularly for skills practice, where nothing beats knee to knee, face to face. And that's a quote from Brian Tracy, by the way, that the idea of of actually sitting down with someone and practicing a difficult conversation face to face before you have to do it online with someone who you haven't seen physically for two three months because of the the situation you find yourself in, uh, I think is a is a great place to start. Whether or not that will ever happen, who knows? You, you know.
0: I, I'm building on what you said, Nath, because I I agree with everything you said, and I want to I want to say that. In learning and development, whether you're employed in that department or whether you are like us, a contractor, an external, I think we need to be strong here. Uh, We need to be professional and we need to have a view on what training is the right form for Mm -hmm. the outcome that we're discussing. Now, if you don't have an outcome, let's not go down the route of having a training session uh, some sort of intervention Mm. uh it's Mm. very easy i think to to try to satisfy our internal customer who says i think we need training it's very easy to go okay then i'll do it what you want and i think that uh, what we're talking around is let's 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 safeguard reputations of learning and development professionals here Mm. by actually doing due diligence and understanding exactly what the customer wants before we agree to putting it into a classroom or putting it into an e-learning package or putting it into some other digital form.
1: Perfect and I think that really nicely wraps things up. You're welcome and just before we go I'd like to thank Jonathan today for wearing an all-blacks top which you can't see (laughs) but did make me smile when I saw that silver fern on his chest. (laughs) So thank you all for joining us today and we really look forward to you stopping by in our next session in a week's time
0: well huge thanks to Nathan and if you've enjoyed today's podcast please do subscribe to us and if you like what you hear we'd love it if you could leave us a review on your podcast channel thanks again and we look forward to next week's episode where Nathan and I two old dogs will be training new tricks.